Well, if you have your Bibles, turn to Proverbs chapter 1. Uh, we're going to start a new sermon series called Foolproof, right? Now, one of the reasons why we really want to dig into this is uh, if you have been around or seen the news or just honestly have been living um, in, in what I would say is today, uh, you would realize there's a lot of foolishness that's going on. There's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of cultural stupidity, um, if you want to call it that. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to be frank with it. There, there are things going on in our world that if you were to sit back 20, 25, 30, 40, heck, even maybe five years ago and think what is coming about, you would have said, no way, that's going to ever happen. And what we do see is, is the reality that the world is falling apart. And when I say the world, yeah, we could talk about, we could talk about natural disasters and things like that, but I'm talking about people in general, society as a whole, and the culture. So as we look at this idea, what we want to come up with is the, the, what we would say is a foolproof way to live life according to God's word in the midst of chaos. So the sermon title or the, the sermon series is Foolproof, Wisdom in a World of Chaos. And like I said, we, we're, we're going to be jumping into Proverbs. For those of you who don't know, the book of Proverbs is lumped in with the book of Psalms, uh, the book of, uh, you have Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon, which are what we call poetic or wisdom literature. Matter of fact, if you were to take a class in seminary, I, I can tell you that, that my class, when we went through this thing, was called wisdom and hymnic literature. And you're like, hymnic? What are you talking about? The Psalms were the hymns that the Jewish people sang. So when we read Psalms, we read it. They sang it. And there's a lot of poetry in there. And you're like, well, my, my Bible's not poetic. That's because it's in English. If you were Jewish and you spoke Hebrew, you'd go, oh, there's rhyme, there's meter, there's rhythm. There's, there's a lot of things that go on there. So over the summer, we're going to be looking at the wisdom and hymnic literature, the, the Proverbs and Psalms to say, how do we live a life that is foolproof? Because I'm telling you right now, and there, there's a struggle here even within believers' lives. What's true? What's false? What's biblical and what's worldly? And what we're seeing in the midst of this is this, that we can live lives that are foolproof, that are built upon the wisdom of God. We can stand on our convictions and still, listen, still be grace-filled, loving, and compassionate, even though we may disagree with some other people. I want you to get that across. We're living in a world of chaos right now. Wrong has been viewed as right. Right is viewed as wrong. Scripture warned about things like this happening. As a matter of fact, if you read Isaiah chapter 5, it says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Woe or, or who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. It's important for us to keep in mind as we kind of jump into Proverbs chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 4, and I've preached on this in the past, says this, verse 2, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct and rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. And here's the reason why. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine, instead to suit their own desires... They will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Listen, we live in a society that loves to surround ourselves with itching ears. 
And lest you think you're clear of that, if you have social media, I guarantee you, you tickle your own itching ears. You want to know why? Because it's called the AI and the algorithms that social media uses to show you what videos you want to watch. You watch a video, you like a comment, you do all of those things, and then you watch another video, you comment or like that video, and then you watch another video. Why? Because you're surrounding yourself with people who tickle your ears. I mean, it's very evident even in our political system. If you are a far right-wing conservative, you're probably watching a lot of far right-wing conservative videos. If you tend to lean more left, you're going to see that you watch more left videos. And you may say, well, that's not my intention. No, it may not be your intention. But that's exactly how social media and the internet works. We are very quick to listen to the things we want to listen to that may sound good to our ears and fall short of listening to the truth of God's word. Because I'd venture to say if you were to take out your iPhones and you'd pull out your use on your apps, you would find real quickly that your Bible app is used minimally and your Facebook or your Twitter or your Instagram or your Be Real or whatever the heck it is that you might be on Snapchat is used a lot more. And that's the problem. So, if you have your Bibles, Proverbs chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 1, and we're going to kind of read through this. I'm going to read through the first seven verses, so if you would, stand with me. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along with the words behind me. Uh, We would encourage you to get a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, let us know. We'd love to to get you one as well. So, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1, it says this, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for attaining what? Wisdom and discipline, and for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined life and a prudent life, doing what is right, just, and fair, for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance, for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise." The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. You may have a a seat, um, and let's pray. Father, we pray that just your words would come to the forefront, that it would not be opinion, but it would be simply built upon the truth of what you have to say. God, may we be spirit-led and spirit-filled, and may your Holy Spirit work and move among us as we jump through this. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Did you know that in Proverbs chapter 14, there's a verse that says, there's a way that seems right to man, and in the end, it leads to destruction, chaos, problems. And listen, that's one of the things that we see in our world or in our culture today. Matter of fact, I could even say it this way. If you are a believer and you've put your faith and trust in Christ, but you're not seeking wisdom from the Lord day in and day out, you have most likely fallen prey to the sin that so easily entangles you, and you've begun to say, hey, I'm going to do things my own way. That's oftentimes how it comes up. That's how sin begins to creep into each one of our doors. It starts in our houses. It starts in our personal life. Then it affects my family. Then it carries on into the church. And what we begin to see is this, that fools begin to run or own or dictate what goes on, even within culture, not just within culture, but even within the church, when we don't let God's word penetrate our hearts. 
when we don't live with the wisdom that God has taught us. Matter of fact, here's the beautiful thing about Proverbs. If you were to read the book of Proverbs, you would have answers to everything under the sun, from finances to relationships, from how do I deal with my situations at work? How do I, how do I operate with character and integrity? Like One of the struggles that I've oftentimes dealt with is this. Like, I know Christian businessmen who don't operate as Christians because the dollar speaks louder than the Bible. And my struggle with that is this. You're a fool. You're acting like a fool. You're not wise. You think it's the best way to go. As a matter of fact, most of us, if we were to look at our pocketbooks, could easily determine what we think is wise versus what we think is foolish. And a lot of times, here's the struggle. There's a way that leads to destruction. And it's oftentimes in the mind of man that they've got it all figured out. So listen to this. Proverbs are concentrated nuggets of truth that we have to think about. We have to mull over. We have to learn from in order to grow and become wise. See, the point of Proverbs is to give us knowledge or wisdom in life. As a matter of fact, in chapter 2, verse 12, it says, Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men, from men whose words are perverse, who leave the straight paths to walk in dark ways, who delight in doing wrong and rejoice in the perseverance of evil. So it's important for us to understand that these little nuggets of truth are things that we can apply to our life and begin to say, hey, here's the big deal, right? That we want to be people of integrity, people of character, people of wisdom, people of obedience to what God has called us to do. Now, it's important for us to understand that Solomon wrote most of these. As a matter of fact, if you were reading through our Bible reading plan, you would have read recently, not too long ago, that Solomon had come about and is basically becomes king after David, and he, he has a request. God's like, I'll give you whatever you want. Does anybody know what Solomon asked for? Wisdom. Solomon said, if you give me anything and everything else or anything above all else, I want wisdom. Matter of fact, the Bible even goes on and says, no one has been wiser than Solomon. Now, I want to show you cautiously how crazy this is, because Solomon was wise, but he was stupid at the same time. If you go on and read a couple chapters later, the kingdom was taken away from Solomon because of why? Adultery and sin. Solomon had 700 wives. First of all, what guy in his right mind would ever think that's okay? Like, I love my wife dearly, but 700 I couldn't imagine the honeydew list. I'd be like, holy smokes, I'm never going to get this done. Then on top of that, he had 300 concubines. It's like, what in your right mind, Solomon? That's not wisdom, bro. So here's the key factor to know about this when we start talking about wisdom. With wisdom comes a great responsibility to be obedient to what God has called me to do because I can have all the knowledge in the world and not put it into practice and all I am is a fool. Because I know it, but I disobey it. So it's important as we jump in and look at this whole idea of being foolproof in society is that we learn to listen to God's wisdom and, listen, apply it to my life. That I do what God has called me to do. That I walk in accordance with his word. That I'm obedient to Jesus no matter what the cost. 
Albert Einstein says it this way, wisdom is not a product of schooling, but of the lifelong attempt to acquire it. And then he goes on to say this, though. Any fool can know the point is to understand. The point that I'm trying to make there is this, that I can know all of the wisdom that God teaches in Scripture, but if I don't understand it and apply it, then it's nothing more than me going, yeah, I know some great things, but I don't put it into action. Matter of fact, I would venture to say most of us know how we are to respond. You may be a person who's in a financial wreck right now, and you're like, I don't get what's going on. I do. Read Proverbs. You can't spend more than you make. I also want you to know this. Like when I read it, Proverbs is very clear. The borrower is slave to the who? Lender. So if I owe money to somebody, who am I a slave to? The only one we're to be a slave to is Jesus. So here's, the, here's how things begin to infiltrate our lives. We know what we're supposed to do, but in order to live a foolproof life, I have to take the knowledge of what I know and begin to apply it in my life so that I cannot give in to the chaos of the world, but I can rather live a foolproof life. So we're going to look at a number of passages throughout Psalms and Proverbs over the summer to gain a heart of understanding and hopefully apply those truths to our life so that we can live a life that's set apart for Christ and to make wise decisions. Listen, as we move forward into culture and as we move forward as a church. See, the truths taught in this book, in the book of Proverbs, are powerful. They will lead us to be people of character, and I believe that character matters. As a matter of fact, Bruce Lee, the ever so famous Bruce Lee, said, knowledge will give you character, but power, sorry, knowledge will give you power, but character gives you respect. So we want to have the power of God working in our lives, and we want to become people of character who live out the truth of God's word day in and day out. So here's the big principle. Here's the thing I want you to remember, if you remember anything else today. Wisdom is knowledge of God's word and God's creation and how we fit into his purposes. The true wisdom of God is the knowledge of his word. I know his son, and I apply the truth of his son to my life, and the truth of his spoken word, and knowledge of God's creation, and how we fit into his purposes. Do you know Proverbs deals with everything from creation, and science, and finances, and relationships, and parenting, and I mean, you could talk on education. I mean, I pretty much, we have hit every realm of our human existence, that if I just read Proverbs and I begin to apply it to my life, I can move forward and not be a fool. So when we say that, wisdom is, the, is knowledge of God's word. We talk about God's word as, as Christ, right? But we also want to talk about God's word as his, as, his, uh, as his scripture, as the Bible, and God's creation, that I realize how God created things and how I fit into that purpose. So I'm going to give you four things today that we can learn from this text. We're going to actually read through most of of Proverbs. I just wanted to focus on the first part, but number one is this. You need to gain wisdom for godly understanding. You have to seek out and gain the wisdom. Listen again what he says. For attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life. If you are a person who is not disciplined, 
then you need to begin to understand and read Proverbs. Read it and begin to apply it to your life because you need some discipline so you can have a prudent life. In other words, I can make wise decisions. It says for doing what is right and just and fair. If you don't like what's going on in society, guess what you can do? You can learn how to treat people right. You can learn how to weigh measures equally, not unequally. You can learn how to treat people with grace and with passion and understanding. But listen, we gain wisdom for godly understanding. Because listen to what he says. He says, let the wise listen and add to their learning. And let the discerning get guidance for understanding Proverbs and parables. See, knowledge and discretion to the young. If you are a young person in here today, do you want to know how you begin begin to get some wisdom? You should read a proverb every day. Now, here's the beauty of it. 31 chapters of Proverbs, right? Most months we have 30. There's a few that we have 31. You could easily read a proverb a day. As a matter of fact, I have a practice. I read one proverb a day, and I read five psalms a day. So if it's the first of the month, I read Psalm 1 through 5. If it's the second of the month, I read 6 through 10. I read Proverbs 2. All of those things will give you wisdom to understand what's going on. The first one's written predominantly by David, And we know anything about David. David went through the ringer. David was chased down by the king at that time, Saul. His best friend, Jonathan, was Saul's son. David would run for his life, and then David becomes the king, and David sees all these things. David had a lot of great things go on, but we also learn through David in his life of sin. And likewise, listen, we can learn through Solomon, even in the midst of his flaws, his imperfections and his sin. See, the wise... What what Solomon's getting here when he says, let the wise listen and add to their learning is this, that a wise person never stops learning. You ever met a person who's a know-it-all? My wife just laughed. That wasn't very nice. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Listen. There's something to be said when there's a person who knows it all, but doesn't know everything. You know what I mean? But listen, I've been around some very wise people. Matter of fact, I get to sit in with pastors, and here's the crazy thing. I, I, I see pastors who are always talking, and then I see pastors who sit back. They evaluate everything. They're writing everything down. And I remember sitting in a room not too long ago. There's a pastor. He'd been a pastor for over 60 years. Never bragged, never talked about all his ministry experience, sat back, listened, And then he asked questions. And I was like, of the dude who knew everything in the room, like I'm looking around and I'm like, bro, all of us combined barely add up to the amount of time you've had in ministry, 60 years. And he was the one asking questions to learn. And I'm sitting here going, that that guy's guy's wise. And yeah, it comes with age and things like that, but I also want us to understand that it it can become a a natural routine even in the life of the young. Matter of fact, I I want us to kind of think about it this way. Wisdom is not directly, directly proportional to age. I've met some young people who are wise and I've met some old people who are dumb. And all I have to do is look at their life. And I'm like, man, how have you been alive this long and not get it yet? And listen, we all learn from our mistakes. 
But you don't have to sit back and go, well, I'm, I'm not an old person, so I can't necessarily be wise. Yes, you can be wise. It's just called learning to apply the right things in life. I'm amazed at how quick we're willing to apply videos and things like that to say, hey, this is truth, and we're not quick to apply God's word, which has been around for years and ages and decades longer, thousands of years. See, this whole idea of what he's saying, he says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. And earlier up, he says it's, it's all about acquiring discipline. Discipline means this idea of moral discipline or correction and the ability to see between issues. How do I know what's right and wrong? Well, I have to be a person who's wise. Number one, I need to be wise in God's word. I need to know it. And I believe that I can start simply by reading Proverbs. Yes, you need to read more of God's word in other areas, but Proverbs is the beginning of it. I can easily do it five minutes. You can read through Proverbs chapter one in five minutes. Proverbs two, five minutes. And I'm telling you, you will gain a heart of wisdom and understanding. And listen, Proverbs will always point you to the goodness of God. I want you to know this. Did you know that in 125 times, wisdom or wise shows up in the book of Proverbs? 125 times in 31 chapters. Do you think it's important? That means on average, four times per chapter, on average. I think that's pretty important, isn't it? If I want to gain wisdom and understanding, then I have to get this idea. And listen, here's this, this term. It's called chokmah. It's, it's, it's Hebrew. And that literally means, or it's, it's kind of carried out as this. It's the mental and physical skills like that of a craftsman. Anybody ever have somebody come over to your house and do some work that was a craftsman? They really know what they're doing. Fine cabinetry, trim work. There's a difference I want you to know that. There are finishers, and then there are rough framers. If you've built a house, you know what I'm talking about. If you had a rough framer come in and do everything, you're going to have gaps in your baseboards. Your crown molding's going to have separation from the ceiling. Your cabinets aren't going to look finished right. But a finisher, a fine craftsman, there's a difference, and you pay for the quality. And listen to what is being communicated here. If I want to gain the wisdom, if I don't want to be a fool, then I have to operate as a fine craftsman with God's word in my life. That I begin to apply it. I begin to look at the intricacies. Matter of fact, when we remodeled our kitchen, my brother-in-law uh, built our, our cabinets, and he came in and we, we installed them. I've done crown molding. I've done trim work with white stuff. You want to know why? Because caulk hides imperfections. Now, I'm pretty darn good, but I am nothing like my brother-in-law when it comes to fine craftsmanship. Because he took the fine cherry wood that we have our cabinets made of, and he made those suckers so close that I don't see a gap, and he used no wood filler or anything like that. And I'm like, that's impressive. Why? Because he's a craftsman. There's a difference between a craftsman with God's word and being rough in. And there's a lot of people who are rough in framers. They're like, yeah, I'll take a little here, a little there. It's not really plumb, you know, but it's mine. 
I saw a lot of houses that were flipped by homeowners, and I'm like, yep, not going to meet my standard. There is a big difference. And so listen, number one, gain wisdom for godly understanding. Number two is this, live with a healthy fear of the Lord. Now, a lot of people are like, like, does that mean shaking and trembling? No. It's a reverence. It's an awe. It's a respect. It's an acknowledgement of his superiority, of his greatness, of his magnificence, of his creation, of his all-knowing power and all-knowing ability. Most of us walk through life and do things like this. Well, God obviously doesn't love me because he just allowed somebody to go through a traumatic experience. That's life. And I hate to say that. I could have, when my dad went through his cancer and stuff, I could have went, I could have tucked tail, said, God, I'm a pastor, and if you're going to treat my family like this, I'm done. When the reality is, based upon the truth of the scripture, each and every day is numbered. And God knows that, and you and I know it. And because my days are numbered, I live with great respect and great awe, knowing God, whatever it is, however that plays out in my life, I know my days are numbered, and tomorrow could be my last day. I could walk out these doors, get in my car, go down the road, and get hit and killed in a car accident and not have a clue. I could also have a stroke right here on stage. Why? Because I don't know my days. You don't know your days. I do know my days are numbered, and I also know this that God loves me so much that he sent his son, that no matter the days that are before me, however long or however many, I may live till I'm 90. I don't know that you'll want me to live till I'm 90. Um, I may not make it till tomorrow, but I know this, that God holds me in his hand. He holds my eternity in his control. And I'm gonna live the rest of my life in obedience to him because he has called me to do that. So, When we talk about this idea of living in fear with the Lord, I do it with great awe, with great wonder, with great reverence. Why? Because God is sovereign. He is in control of all things. And you may look and go, he's not in control of what's going on. He is. But you also have to understand that God is allowing people to do what the heck ever they want. The Bible says that. That people are going to turn to their own ways. They're not going to listen to sound teaching. They're going to call right, wrong, and wrong, right. We see that over and over and over again. But we have a responsibility to live with a fear for the Lord. Why? Because that's the starting point. Matter of fact, I want you to know this. That word beginning, if you know Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning is a word called really what plays out. It's the start of wisdom. So a healthy fear of the Lord in his sovereignty and his grace and his understanding is the beginning point. That's where I start. And I want you to know this. If you can't start there, you're on a path towards foolishness because that's what the scripture says, right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. So I live with a healthy fear of the Lord. Why? Because despising is the idea that they hold in contempt or they ridicule the wisdom that God is offering. Matter of fact, we're going to unpack that here in just a little bit more at at point four, but I want to jump into point three and let you see one other thing. Number three is this. We have to avoid bad company in the way of sinners. 
This is what he says in verse 8. And I told you we would kind of jump through this. He says, listen, to my, listen, my son, to your father's instruction. And do not forsake your mother's teaching. They will be garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. Number one, parents, I want you to know it's important that you train your kids up in this way. That they understand some of these Proverbs. They begin to understand God's word. Why? Because it's your instruction. And mothers, it's your teaching that your kids are going to remember. And it says they will be garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. It's the idea of this beauty, this simplicity, this majesty that goes on. And then listen to what he says in verse 10. My son, if sinners entice you, do not give into them. If they say, come along with us, let's lie and wait for someone's blood. Let's waylay some harmless soul. Let's swallow them alive like the grave and whole like those who go down to the pit. We will get all sorts of valuable things and fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot with us and we will share a common purse. My son, do not go along with them. Do not set foot on their paths. It is important for us as a church and believers to know this, that when you walk down the path of sinners, you're going to reap what you sow. And so Solomon's telling his son, and if you know anything about the story of Solomon's sons, you know real quick that they chose not to walk in the way of obedience, but they chose to walk in the way of disobedience. They chose to go their own way. As a matter of fact, one of Solomon's sons went to all the wise men in the kingdom, and he's like, what should I do? And they told him to do something, and he went the complete opposite. And for those of you who don't know church or Christian Bible history, that was the downfall of the kingdom. Saul was the first king, David the second king, Solomon the third king under the United Kingdom. And then Solomon dies, Rehoboam and his brother have a big conflict. There's all this separation that comes out. And now we have what's called the northern and southern tribes. And if you know anything about the Bible, the northern tribes, which were 11 tribes, all went north. They were, their capital was Samaria, and in 722 BC, Samaria and the northern 11 tribes were wiped out of existence by the Assyrians. This is history. And the southern tribe, Judah, capital Jerusalem, was wiped out in 586 because 586, or the Babylonians, rose to power, Persians. Medes, then the Babylonians. Babylonians rose to power, came in, wiped out the Assyrians, and wiped out the Israelites. And so in 586 BC, the southern tribe and the southern kingdom was put to a halt. Do you see what happens? Number one, you can train your children in way to go. The Bible says it. Train your children the way they should go, and they will not depart from it. But I also want you to see that Solomon was a wise man and did not do a good job training up his children. So listen, avoid bad company and the way of sinners. How often do we fall into the way of sinners or walk in their paths? And I ask that from that standpoint because I think it's important as a church that we don't walk in that way. It's important for you as an individual, as individual believers, to not walk in the way of sinners, but it's also important for the church that we don't cater, we don't cave. Listen, everyone is accepted here at the church. We will accept you regardless of sin, regardless of where you're at, what you struggle with, and everything else like that. The simple fact is this, though, that we don't continue in the path of sin. The Bible is very clear. That we make it our goal, our aim, our battle to battle and fight against the sin that so easily entangles each one of us. That's my priority in my life. 
that I fight against the sin that I have to deal with, that I struggle with, that Satan knows is my weakness. And you and I have to hold each other and help each other through each and every situation in in accountability. So remember what we said. Wisdom is knowledge of God's word and God's creation and how we fit into his purpose. So we said that, number one, gain wisdom for godly understanding. Number two, live with a healthy fear of the Lord. Number three is avoid bad company and the way of sinners. And the number four is this, to know that disaster will come upon those who reject wisdom. I want you to know this and be very clear on this aspect. Most of us always look and go, oh, God wouldn't do that. No, God allows things to happen. It's called discipline. And sometimes disaster comes when we least expect it. Listen to what he says starting in verse 22. How long will you simple ones love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? If you had responded to my rebuke, in other words, his rebuke against the foolishness that things that they were doing, I would have poured my heart out to you. Hear what God's saying? Reject the foolishness, gain wisdom, and I would have poured my heart out to you, and I would have made my thoughts known to you. But since you rejected me when I called, and no one gave heed when I stretched out my hand, since you ignored all my advice and would not accept my rebuke, I, will, I in turn will laugh at your disaster and will mock when calamity overtakes you. You should see your faces right now. We don't like that, do we? Listen to me, what, what God is saying here is this. I have poured open the floodgates of wisdom so that you don't walk in disaster and be misled into calamity and be destroyed by sin. But when you choose foolishness consistently over wisdom, you have led yourself down the path that I've allowed you to go down. And you will reap the consequences. Listen to what he says. Then they will call to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but will not find me. Since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord, since they would not accept my advice and spurn my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes for the waywardness of the simple will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. When you and I allow foolishness into our life, that is what allows the destruction to go on. You ever heard the saying, you made your bed, you might as well what? Lay in it. Listen, I want you to know this. God is a God of grace. God is a God of mercy. God is a God who wants to give you life, to experience a life and a life more abundantly. But when you continue to reject the wisdom, what he's going to do is basically pull back and say, okay, fine. I'm going to stand here. You've chosen to go your own way. You have turned your back on me, and I'm going to let you run as long as you want to run for. And at some point, you're going to hit a brick wall, 
or you're going to hit the end of the rope. Now, I believe it this way. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21, it says that the wisdom of God is foolishness to those who are perishing. As a matter of fact, if you know anything about this text, what we see is that Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God. Listen to what he says. For since the wisdom, or for since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs, Greek look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. I want you to know this. When I talked about God's word earlier, Jesus is the very word of God. Jesus is the word who died on the cross and who rose again, defeating sin, defeating death so that you and I could experience life and life more abundantly. And so that word is foolishness to those who are perishing. This whole idea of Jesus dying on the cross, that stupidity is what the world would say. And God says, I have chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. So the world looks at it as foolish and God says, that's my wisdom. Because there is no other way to have an access to God than through his son, Jesus Christ. That's exactly what is being communicated there. No other way. And so when I talk about this idea of wisdom, I want us to know this. Going back to the main idea, the main statement, that wisdom is knowledge of God's word, Jesus, his spoken word, his word, and his creation and how we fit into his purposes. You and I were made for purpose. We're made to glorify and honor and celebrate the good news of Jesus. We are made to do all things, to spend our lives in, in, in basically in worship to the Lord. And so my question is this. Do you continue to reject wisdom? And if you continue to reject that wisdom... Do you realize what's going to happen? Because I I go right back to point four, that disaster will come upon those who reject him. In order to live a foolproof life, I begin with the fear of the Lord. That's the starting point. And I acknowledge the truth of his word. That's the starting point of wisdom. And from there, then I can begin to move forward. From there, I begin to seek the Lord day in and day out. From there, I begin to apply the truths of his word to my life so that, number one, I can be a good father or a good mother. Number two, I can be a good employee. For those of you who complain about employees or maybe you are an employee and complain about your your business owner or whatever, guess what? Proverbs will give you wisdom on how to handle that. Sometimes it's shut up and just work harder. Sometimes it's I got to take care of my employees better. But God gives us the wisdom we need through the grace of his son, Jesus Christ, so that we can walk a life that is foolproof. Let's pray. Father, we acknowledge your goodness. We see your grace. We know that Jesus died on the cross and rose again. And God, maybe today there's somebody who's never acknowledged that for the first time.
And maybe they want to. God, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for the fact that if we confess it with our heart or confess it with our mouths and believe in our hearts that God raised Jesus from the dead, that we can be saved. That we admit we're sinners. We admit we've gone down a path. Maybe at times we've chased the path of sinners. We've walked in the way of the unrighteous. God, it's never too late to stop being a fool and to gain the wisdom that you offer us, first through your son and second through your word. God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for this church family. I thank you for each of the believers here. And God, I know there's a lot going on. There are, there are sicknesses, there's struggles, there's difficulties, there's pain, there's heartache, there's life, there's death. There are marriages, maybe they're on the mend. Maybe there are financial situations or struggles. Maybe there's work difficulties. God, I thank you for the truth of your word that can point us in the right direction, that we can begin to apply to our lives because it's not just about knowing it. It's about being obedient to it. So God, may you change our hearts starting today. And would it carry on for the rest of our lives? It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.